The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the hosts and creators of this program. This is the Pet Buzz. This is the Pet Buzz. Freshly collected with news, celebrity pet gossip, and the latest pet trends. The Pet Buzz gives you the latest 411 on everything pet related. Everything pet related. Hosted by pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. And here's the Dynamic Pet Duo. Greetings from our studios on the Gulf Coast of sunny Florida. We know at this time of the year we're experiencing a lot of rain and thunder showers in the southeast as it's hurricane season. I always say take care of your pets by checking the weather report each day and planning ahead. So I'm going to give you some ideas. So when it's going to rain, I keep the blinds closed and I turn up the TV so the dogs don't hear the outside noise. You know, if you're away from home, you can even use Google Home or Alexa to turn the TV on and increase the volume, which I think is fantastic. Pet cameras inside your home help monitor your pet's reaction to the outside weather condition. Crates and places for pets to hide out, like a bed under a table or a chair, help them stay calm, and they they feel secure. They feel protected. They love that that tight space for security. If necessary, leave a wee-wee pad down for nervous accidents. It happens. Also, I even try to schedule a walk so that we never get caught in rainstorms. Just check out the hourly weather report on your phone to help plan your walking regimen. You need to be a little flexible and kind of go with the flow this time of the year. So let me know how your pets are doing during the stormy weather season. Email us at teamatthepetbuzz.com or post your comments on our social media channels. We always love to hear from you. But it's that time we got to kick off the show with our weekly countdown. Well, in segment four, Kylie Moore, content strategist at Digital Third Coast, on behalf of Lombardi Homes, is joining us to talk about which cities have adopted the most pets during COVID-19. She'll also be highlighting pet owner impressions during these unprecedented times. And in our first ever sponsored segment, we are talking with Kathy Guillermo, Senior Vice President of PETA's Horse Racing Department, about changes that can be made to prevent injuries and deaths in the horse racing industry. And in two, in this segment of the show, don't miss my scoop about the latest celebrity pet gossip. And in Flex Facts, I'm talking about why you should never buy a dog from Craigslist. And in one, I need to throw some numbers at you, so listen closely. So a new nationwide survey from Stonefield Organics, you know, they make yogurt and other dairy products that you can find in popular supermarkets and other retail outlets. Well, they found that 85% of Americans have sought sanctuary in the great outdoors during the COVID-19 crisis, okay? Now, like I said, more numbers. 52% of respondents say a daily walk outside keeps them sane, and 50% frequently spend time in their yard or public park, which makes sense because you see that, right, Dr. Fleck? People are outside a lot more. Yep. The escape to the great outdoors also applied to the country's four-legged friends or family members with 64% of respondents, that's more than half, saying they took more walks with their dogs during these unprecedented times. So despite the nation's appreciation of the great outdoors as sanctuary from the ongoing pandemic, most Americans, 56%, say they are still using harmful pesticides to treat their own lawns and green spaces. Additionally, 65% of playing fields in the U.S. are sprayed with these harmful pesticides, 
and sources of concern for chemical exposure at the time when many people and pets are relying on them as ever before. So basically, there's a lot of pesticides in these parks and these public spaces that we're going. So most importantly, and what's relevant to us here at the Pet Buzz is that 77% of dog owners rarely or never wash their dog's paws after coming in from a walk outdoors, which means their furry friends track dirt and harmful chemicals and pesticides inside their home. So joining us today to talk about health effects that harmful chemicals and pesticides can have on our pets is veterinarian Dr. Lisa Lippman. She is the co-host of a hugely popular podcast, Pets and Punchlines. She has appeared on Dr. Oz, Inside Edition, and more. Dr. Lippman, thanks for joining us today on the Pet Buzz. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Say, do you think most pet owners realize that their pets are at risk to the harmful effects of pesticides? You know, I think this is such a great question because there's so many new adopted pets, right? And so many hidden dangers. And I think that this is really one of them. And most actually don't. I mean, I didn't. And a recent survey by Stonyfield Organic actually showed that limiting exposure to pesticides was the lowest priority overall when describing the most important ways pets are cared for. So to me, you know, again, it just it was surprising even to me. So it's really not something that they consider. Yeah, I mean, I saw that survey and I was surprised myself. So let's talk about how chemicals in these pesticides can hurt or injure our pets. Yeah, so I have seen this, you know, myself working in emergency when pets eat fertilizer and things that owners are not aware of are in the fertilizer. And, you know, usually they'll cause anything from nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, but if they get into the really toxic stuff, it can even cause seizures or death. So another thing, Dr. Lippman, is it true that studies have shown that dogs that are exposed to herbicide treatments have a higher risk of lymphoma? Yeah, absolutely. So Texas A&M has, has looked at that, and there's been studies that have showed that um, it's actually about a 70% higher risk of canine lymphoma after after these dogs are exposed to herbicide-treated lawns. Yeah, and, you know, you never think about it, but usually if you have a lawn care guy like I have lawn doctor, you know, it's nice that they put signs up that say, don't have your dogs come on the lawn for like at least two hours after the treatment's been applied. Yeah, and as an everyday practitioner, I see victims of this multiple times of the week. So, yeah, I'm really glad that, you know, the survey brought this to our attention and Dr. Lippman's here to answer these questions. Okay, let's talk about what pet owners can do. I mean, obviously, we talked that they shouldn't, after a fertilized treatment, they shouldn't be having their pets out. But what else can they do? I love this question because I think the action items are so important. And really, the easiest place is to start at home and in your own backyard. So similar how to, you know, how people take off their shoes before entering their house because it's been shown that we bring in so many toxins uh, from the outside world. So there's simple pet paw wipes that are really fantastic for this or baby wipes or, or just a paper towel with water. And then easy tips to start changing your backyard to organic is soil testing. So you actually know what's going on inside of the soil and what might be done to correctly balance it for the best health of the grass and the soil and your pet and your family. Um, obviously, to just stop using those harmful pesticides and herbicides. Um, and then I would say last would be it's recommended to have a three-inch mowing height 
And you really need less of those fertilizers and nasty chemicals to keep it healthy. So maybe this is important for us as people. Why is it important to clean your pets before they have access to our house? Well, what's interesting is, you know, pets are so close to the ground and pesticides are just so easily absorbed in them as they, as dogs and cats sniff their way through the world, you know, so they're innate behavior. So um, just being close to the ground, sniffing the ground, chewing or eating the grass or rolling in it and then licking their fur, leave them quite susceptible. So cleaning your pets, you know, before they enter their house for all of those reasons. Okay. Well, can you tell us about Stonefield Organics? their play-free initiative, and how it pertains to pets. So um, so uh, the play-free initi- initiative um, is really encouraging people to get outside right now. You know, now we know outside time is more important than ever. And it's just encouraging people to use organic lawn and garden maintenance for, you know, like we talked about, the health of families and pets. And they're providing resources on their website, like we talked about, for people to switch to organic lawn maintenance, so to make all of that really easy for them. And they've even teamed up with 14 new communities to convert outdoor fields and parks to organic grounds management. Like, for example, they, they did um, in Philadelphia, in Chicago, in New York, um, just, just really great stuff. So I'm such a fan of this initiative. Wow, just such great information for our pet listening audience. And so, Dr. Lippman, thank you so much for joining us today. And to learn more about Stonyfield Organic, visit their website at stonyfield.com. And to learn more about Dr. Lisa Lippman, visit her website at drlisalippman.com. Stay tuned. More of the pet buzz to come, including celebrity pet gossip and flex facts. We'll be back in a buzzworthy moment. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We would love to communicate with you via social media. Use The Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. Ever Pet knows there's a lot in your life that you worry about. We want to make sure your pet's flea and tick protection isn't one of them. Ever Pet offers vet quality flea and tick protection that has the same active ingredients as leading brands like Canine Advantix 2 and Frontline Plus, but that cost much less, which means you can give your pet total flea protection worry-free. And the best part is you can get Tever Pet flea and tick topicals delivered right to your door when you shop on TeverPet.com. Tever Pet, helping you and your pet live your best life. Often should you bathe your pet? Well, I'm pet trendologist Charlotte Reed, and I'm asked that question often. How often you should wash your dog depends on a number of factors, including his health, breed, coat, and activity level, as well as where these activities are taking place. Dogs who spend days outside rolling and things are going to need a bath far more often than the ones who spend most of their time on the couch. Or you can always take the smell test. If your dog walks into the room and you can smell them, it's time for a bath. Make sure when it's time for a bath, 
You gather up all the supplies, including a non-slip mat and plenty of towels. Use shampoo formulated for dogs and turn your cell phone off to avoid distraction. And if you have a dog that hates getting a bath, smear some peanut butter on the bathtub wall and let him lick it off while you bathe him. Then he'll know bathing can really be a treat. Thank you so much for joining the Pet Buzz. This show is hosted by the Pet Dynamic Duo. I'm pet trendologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. Hey, it's time. It's that time. It's the scoop. It's celebrity pet news. Well, it seems there's more controversy at the zoo featured in Netflix Tiger Kings. Former owner Jeff Lowe announced earlier in the month that the zoo is closed permanently. The park was previously owned by Joseph Maladano Passage, better known as Joe Exotic, the eccentric star of the Netflix docuseries. Jeff Lowe said that due to the closure, he has voluntarily forfeited his USDA, that's United States Department of Agriculture, exhibitor license. However, a USDA report indicates that Lowe's license was suspended following a July inspection that found multiple violations, including several repeat infractions. The USDA inspection found the park had not followed the proper veterinary or safety programs. The closure comes nearly two months after Lowe was ordered by the judge to hand over the park to Carol Baskin. Baskin has offered to place the animals, but Lowe has declined her offer, explaining that the animals will be rehomed at his new Tiger King Park, which is set to open in Thackerville, Oklahoma in September. There, Lowe plans to film a new reality series alongside his wife, Lauren. According to Lowe, the new park will, at least for the foreseeable future, be a private film set for Tiger King-related television content for cable and streaming services. Also note, That Lowe was recently sued by the state of Oklahoma for back taxes in the amount of $55,000, but said the delinquent taxes were a result of Maladano Passage's mismanagement of the zoo when he was in control. To remind you that earlier in the year, Maladano Passage, or Joe Exotic as I like to call him, was sentenced to 22 years in prison after being found guilty in 2019 for paying a hitman only $3,000 to kill Baskin. He was also found guilty on multiple charges of violating both the Lacey Act for falsifying wildlife records and the Endangered Species Act. The Tiger King was a hot show, but this is a hot mess. And now what you've been waiting for, Flex Facts. Welcome to Just the Facts. Just the Facts. Fact or fiction? Just the Facts, ma'am. You want answers. I want the truth. It's going to take long. You got the time. Dr. Fleck, what are we going to talk about today? Well, I am sorry to say that we will be talking about buying a dog off of Craigslist. Craigslist? Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's talk about it. You got a story? You must have. You always have a story. Just recently, a young couple came into my office on a Sunday with a very sickly and a very young puppy. It appeared to be more along the lines of the Beagle breed. Mm-hmm. They wanted a Shiba Inu, but decided to purchase a dog, a Beagle, off of Craigslist. Frankly, I didn't want to ask them because I had to deal with the realities of a sick dog in front of me, a sick puppy, very young. It seems that the couple were given an address to meet the seller. They thought that they were going to a home, 
They were surprised to find out the address of the drop or the exchange was a public parking lot. Really? They handed over $700. That's a lot of money. And were given a small, very sick puppy. Okay, so did they get any paperwork? They were given a Xerox copy of a vet invoice from another state with limited information, such as no sex of dog, no breed, no age. I seriously doubt it was for the dog that I was looking at. They received no bill of sale, no health certificate, no legitimate vaccination record, no kennel club transfer paper. It seems all they got was... A sick puppy. A sick puppy. So I want to tell you that while I was pretty angry at the backyard breeder, I was also disappointed at the young couple. The media reports that Generation X, Y, and Z, of course, and this so couple, on and couple so fits on. into this grouping, are always so engaged using social media, using Google to research. Kind of ask the question, why didn't they look up how to buy a dog from a reputable breeder? You know, that's such a great question and one that people just do not do. I mean, day after day, we see people buying these dogs from Craigslist, from backyard breeders, and they have the information right at their fingertips. Disappointingly, mm-hmm. I see it every day. They should have known something was wrong when the exchange happened at a supermarket parking lot, I would think. Mm-hmm. The seller did not tell them, just gave them an address. So they were surprised when they got to the public. They were surprised. Okay. Now they have a sick puppy, which is, if it survives, going to cost them more than $700 in vet bills. Okay, so what did you do? How did you help the puppy? Well, the puppy have had a number of things that I complain about. Mm-hmm. Part of it was a little bit of dehydration, but mostly you could see it just wasn't full of energy. It was very tiny. It certainly didn't appear to be eight, the weeks. eight weeks of age mm-hmm. that it was claimed to be. And it had serious skin issues, particularly in the back part of the of the pet. The tail was totally devoid of hair, had many scabs. The back legs had scabs. I, I couldn't give it vaccinations. And you said it had the left eye problem. Oh, and it had a left eye problem, too, in the front end. It sounds like it was a dog in a cage full of crap. Yeah, don't forget this was the same day that they adopted the pet, too. Because I was concerned about parvo, mm-hmm. because they had said that there was some loose stool. Um, did a parvo test. Unfortunately, I didn't see a positive test, but that doesn't mean it didn't have parvo. Remember, right. remember that negatives don't always mean that it's not positive. Mm-hmm. So it was having issues. I was. What about eating? Could it eat? I mean, if it was taken away so young from its mom, it, it wasn't eating much. And I gave them some advice about maybe some strained baby food with a syringe and. And provided them with syringes, etc. I wasn't really strongly encouraged about what could be done because we're in urgent care. We're not taking care of emergencies. Would have to give them some advice that if this worsened as the day went on, they would have to make the choice of going to the emergency for extreme emergency care. So unfortunate. So let's review what 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 do you need when you buy a puppy? Well, just don't buy a puppy off the internet. Real simple. I just, mean, we've talked about this so many times, and but you kind of have to review this so people hear these stories from your weekly practice. And if they say, well, where am I supposed to go then? Well, okay. we utilize 
the AKC.org website. That's if you want a purebred If you want a purebred dog. Right. If not, yes. you can go to the local shelter. Okay. You can then go to the breed clubs and find out about the dog standards, the diseases that the breed is subject to, and what tests should be accomplished. Find off these breed club sites the reputable breeders in your area, or most people really don't even mind going outside of the area because they really are interested in getting a pet that's going to be part of their life. If you're close by, please visit the breeder's home. No, you need to always visit the breeder's home. Also, get information from the breeder. Find out what supplies you need for that new puppy. Oh, it's so sad. The puppy was so sick. I know, and it's so cute, but it was so sick. And they were so, I mean, they were so upset. Well, anything else that we need to know about? Yeah, lastly, just don't do it. Please do not buy a dog from Craigslist or newspaper ads or web advertisements. They could be stolen, they could be sick, or they could be mistreated like the one I saw. I can't say much more. That is all the Flex Facts for the week. So sad. I mean, it's so sad. I mean, I saw the puppy and it was really so sad. And I hope the puppy makes it. I really, really do. But I want you to stick around because there's more of the pet buzz very soon. And I bet you can't wait for my I Likey of the Week. Does your pet have dry, flaky, and itchy skin? Do you find yourself visiting the veterinarian repeatedly because Fido or Fluffy has skin allergies or ear infections? I love animals and want my pets to be healthy. So I asked our vet who recommended EpiPet Ear Cleaner. It's super simple and it even smells good. Every week I use it on both my dog and my cat to gently remove wax and debris. (laughs) I even told my friend Aiden to try EpiPet on his dog Sophie who always had red ears. But not anymore. Now we both have happy and healthy pets. Thanks, EpiPet. Developed by a veterinarian, EpiPet is a revolutionary, high-performance skin and ear care product line made with the finest natural ingredients. EpiPet, for you and your pet, means better pet health. For more information, visit epi-pet.com. Welcome back. You are listening to the Pet Buzz, the best in pet talk radio. I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. And I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. It's genius. It's to die for. I like it. Give that dog some chicken or give that dog a chicken sandwich with no seasoning or sauce. A Chick-fil-A in North Carolina recently released a video on its Facebook page of a customer coming to pick up their order. Instead of walking up to the restaurant, the man sent a personal helper to pick up the food for him, his golden retriever named Ellie. Apparently, the customer and his dog are regulars at Chick-fil-A. While their post was captioned, Using our mobile app for curbside delivery has never been more fun or easy. Just ask Ellie. She loves running to meet the team member delivering her food and carrying it back to her owner, Nick, who waits in their curbside parking space. According to the restaurant, Nick said that grabbing the food is Ellie's favorite thing to do. The post concludes, it's our favorite thing to do to serve yummy food to happy guests. 
four-legged guest included. So place your curbside order today and make your favorite part of the day getting Chick-fil-A just like Ellie. I thought that was great. One of the coolest videos I've ever seen. Absolutely. So this post was shared 23,000 times and has received 13,000 comments. Based on the replies, it seems that many commenters were most impressed that Ellie didn't stop halfway through the parking lot and just eat the Chick-fil-A yourself. I bet you Hannah would have eaten (laughs) that Chick-fil-A. No question. Hannah is our golden retriever. Anyway, check out the video on our social media channels. You're going to love it and maybe get a craving for Chick-fil-A. Better yet, teach your dog to carry your Chick-fil-A takeout. Okay, well, our next guest is holding for our sponsored segment. Well, the 146th Kentucky Derby will be held at Churchill Downs in Louisville, Kentucky on September 5th, 2020. The first time it will not be held on the first Saturday in May since 1945 to protect against COVID-19. A series of safety protocols have been put in place. But according to our next guest, much more needs to be done to protect the horses at the track. And joining us today is Kathy Guillermo. Senior Vice President of Petey's Horse Racing Department. In her role with the organization, Guillermo works to expose and end exploitation of horses by the racing industry. She has overseen the release of multiple horse racing investigations that have exposed the deaths of young horses at thoroughbred auctions, the slaughter of U.S. horses in Canada, Japan, Mexico, and South Korea, and the misuse of medication by horse trainers, which led to the introduction of federal legislation. Her work has resulted in formation of Horse Racing's first-ever industry-supported retirement programs for horses. Kathy, hello, and welcome to the Pet Buzz. Very happy to be here. Can you tell us how many horses are injured on racetracks each year? Hundreds and hundreds of horses are are injured on racetracks every year in the U.S. and in North America. And in fact, it's almost a way of life in racing these days. That's that's how it's become even more disturbing. More than three horses die every single day on racetracks in the United States. It's so sad. It really is. Well, you know, there have been so many injuries and deaths, especially at Santa Ana. You know, what do you think is causing a lot of these injuries and deaths? Well, you know, there are multiple causes for it. And and the crazy thing about what happened in California last year was all the public attention it got. But it actually goes on at every track in in every state where there is racing in America. And what we know about the causes has to do with the use of medication. More than 90% of horses who break a leg on a racetrack, it's found that they have a pre-existing injury at the very site of the break. So injured horses are being put on the track to race. And we know this happens because the overuse of medication. In the weeks before a race, they're given multiple injections of anti-inflammatories, painkillers, muscle relaxants, sedatives. So by the time the horse gets out on the track, he's not even feeling that injury. So he's not showing it. And then he gets out there and breaks a leg, and that's a death sentence. It really is. We've actually seen that happen on a racetrack. Go ahead, Dr. Fleck. You had a question. What, what are the racetracks doing to prevent injuries and even deaths? Not enough is the short answer. We're seeing changes for the first time in California, the, the the most changes to protect horses than we have seen in a generation because they've been under public scrutiny and under the scrutiny of legislators. 
But most racetracks just look at this as collateral damage. It's too bad. They kind of shake their heads. It's sad, but then they don't do anything. We need the drugs gone uh, out of racing entirely. And until the racetracks grapple with all the issues that contribute to the death, the horses will continue to die. So sad. It really is. Can you talk a little bit about what are the most serious issues PETA would like to have changed regarding the horse racing industry? You had some great suggestions. So review them with us. Well, first of all, those drugs I just mentioned have to be banned in the two weeks before a race. If a horse needs that medication for an injury or for soreness, then that horse shouldn't be racing. And they have to figure out how to do this in a way that makes sense because every injured horse deserves sufficient time to to get better, to recuperate. Dirt tracks is another problem. The United States, North America is one of the few racing jurisdictions in the world that still runs horses on the very hard surface of dirt. In most parts of the world, they run on turf or grass. There are relatively few turf races in the U.S. compared to dirt. But what we know for certain is that synthetic track is the safest track for horses. There are fewer deaths on high-quality synthetic material than on anything else. So we want those tracks changed to synthetic. We'd like to see cutting-edge CT scan equipment installed at every track. It's low radiation. It can be done quickly without anesthetizing the horses, and they can detect those injuries that I was just talking about. And we need to get rid of trainers who are breaking the rules. Right now, they just get a slap on the wrist. They get a fine of a couple of hundred dollars. They go back to work. If they're really heavy violators, they might be banned for 30 days, but that's very unusual. Anybody who violates the rules and puts a horse at risk needs to be kicked out of racing, period. You know, it's interesting because... uh not such a lie. I mean, I live in Florida now, but when I lived in New York, I was a public member for the New York State Veterinary Board. And one of the things that I always remember, we never, unlike other professions, we saw less cases than other groups like nurses and accountants and lawyers and, and, and professions like that. But a lot of times when we did see the few horse racing cases that did come before the board, I have to say there was one common denominator in all of those. And it was because there were drug and alcohol problems and gambling problems. That's who we saw when we saw the vets or people come before the board. They always had the same issues. And it's unfortunate that um, people are not, were not exercising good judgment and really put the horses as the priority. Right, Kathy? Oh, that's so true. I mean, one thing this industry has not done, in spite of all that they will tell the public they've done, is put the horses first. These horses have become commodified. They're a way to make a living, and they are not seen as the very individual beings that they are. You know, most, most racehorses have ulcers, for example. They're so stressed by the kind of lives that they lead that they, they develop these physical issues that you never see in a horse off a racetrack. You know, NFL football and college football have already made the adjustments. It's probably time for the horse racing industry to make some adjustments too. Well, I was just going to say the only way that race horse racing has a chance to survive is if it changes. It's been in decline for many years. There are now major newspapers that are editorializing against horse racing entirely. So if they don't change, they're going to die in very much the same way the horses are right now. We want to make sure that it's done properly, just like every other sport. So, Kathy, thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate it. Thank you. 
We're glad Kathy came to join us. I mean, you know, one of the great things about having this show is to really understand not just one side of an issue, to understand all sides of an issue and to have people from diverse backgrounds come on. I mean, Kathy's been in this industry for such a long time, so I'm glad that you, you know, we had the opportunity to have her on. Well, everyone, to remind you, that was Kathy Guillermo, Senior Vice President of PETA's Horse Racing Department discussing issues PETA would like to have changed regarding the horse racing industry. For more information, please visit PETA, that's P-E-T-A dot org. To remind you, this is a sponsored segment. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We would love to communicate with you via social media. Use the Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. Ever Pet knows there's a lot in your life that you worry about. We want to make sure your pet's flea and tick protection isn't one of them. Tever Pet offers vet quality flea and tick protection that has the same active ingredients as leading brands like Canine Advantix 2 and Frontline Plus, but that cost much less, which means you can give your pet total flea protection worry-free. And the best part is you can get Tever Pet flea and tick topicals delivered right to your door when you shop on TeverPet.com. Tever Pet, helping you and your pet live your best life. I'm petrologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We are urban, suburban, and, and country. And now, pet buzz news from around the globe. Hey, now it's time for global pet news. Well, on the international front, giant panda May Shang gave birth to a cub at the Smithsonian's National Zoo last Friday, August 21st at 6.35 p.m. Animal care staff watched as Mei Shang picked the cub up immediately and began cradling it and caring for it. The panda team heard the cub vocalize and glimpsed the cub for the first time briefly immediately after the birth. They are monitoring Mei Shang and her cub via the zoo's panda camps. A neonatal exam will be performed when the keepers are able to retrieve the cub, which may take a few days, and the sex of the cub will be determined at a later date. According to the reps of the Smithsonian Zoo and Conservation Biology Institute, giant pandas are an international symbol of endangered wildlife and hope. And with the birth of this precious cub, we're thrilled to offer the world a much-needed moment of pure joy. Additionally, because Mei Shang is an advanced age, she's old, (laughs) the scientists knew the chances of her having a cub were very slim. However, they wanted to give her one more opportunity to contribute to her species' survival. It seems that female giant pandas are only in estrus or able to become pregnant for 24 to 72 hours each year. To determine the optimal time for artificial insemination, the zoo's expert team of panda keepers and behavioral scientists had to closely watch the panda's behavior and assess her hormones to see if she was ovulating. This is really cool, though. You know, she is the oldest giant panda in the United States and the second oldest documented in the world to give birth. 
This is the first time Mizzou in the United States has experienced a successful pregnancy and birth via artificial insemination using only frozen semen. May Shang has given birth to three surviving cubs, including Bei Bei, who was off to China in November and 2019. I was one of the people who got to see him off in his final days at the National Zoo. It was fantastic. And then he flew via FedEx. That was super cool. As part of the zoo's cooperative breeding agreement with the China Wildlife Conservation Association, all cubs born at the zoo moved to China when they're four years old. The zoo's current cooperative breeding program expires this year, December 2020. But we want to congratulate Mei Shang and the Smithsonian's National Zoo and Conservation Biology Institute. Well, let's move on to our next guest. The love we get from our pets helps to increase oxytocin, reduces anxiety, and helps quell depression. It's more important than ever, especially during this COVID-19 crisis. It's no wonder that so many Americans have considered welcoming a new pet into their family's home during these trying times. But I want to know, I'm curious, which cities are the most interested in doing so, or which cities have adopted the most pets? Well, joining us today to talk about which cities are adopting the most pets during COVID-19 and more is Kylie Moore, content strategist at Digital Third Coast on behalf of Lombardo Homes. So Kylie, Charlotte, and I wish to welcome you to the Pet Buzz today. Thank you for having me. Hey, before we get started, what inspired Lombardo Homes to create the study, and how did you conduct your research? So we did a lot of thinking about what life has been like during the COVID-19 pandemic, but we wanted to find a more positive story than what we've been seeing and figured what's more positive than a story about pets being adopted. Um, you know, given the number of shelters that have actually been emptied out during COVID-19, we figured that determining cities with the most interest in adopting pets was, you know, the best way to go. So to do this, we used Google AdWords to analyze search volume for more than 5,000 uh, adoption-related terms in the 50 largest cities across the country. Um, and in addition, we surveyed current pet owners about what it's been like to live with their pets during quarantine. Well, then let's move into the meat of your study. So what are the top 10 cities adopting pets during this COVID-19 pandemic? Uh, number one is Oakland, California, um, and it was followed by San Jose, Los Angeles, Arlington, Miami, Fresno, New York, Denver, Long Beach, and Chicago. Um, you know, I can't I can't speak to the pet friendliness of the other cities, but I'm in Chicago and it's, it's definitely pet friendly. I live a block away from an off-leash dog park, so. Yeah, and actually, you know, it's really one of the things I like to do when I'm in Chicago. I like to go on the canine cruise. Have you ever done that? Oh, yeah. That's so fun. I haven't, but it's on my list. Well, you know, I'm just curious. Is it just first-time pet owners looking to adopt or are current pet owners looking to grow their pack, their family pack? No, we found that a lot of current pet owners actually have given some thought to growing their pack during this time. You know, our, our survey respondents, two in five, said that they had considered getting another pet during the pandemic. Most often, that was a dog, followed closely by cats. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, definitely. So if you've just joined us, we're talking with Kylie Moore, content strategist at Digital Third Coast on behalf of Lombardo Homes. So, Kylie. According to your research, has 
living with a pet during the coronavirus pandemic and subsequent quarantine been a positive experience for those you surveyed? Yes, definitely. Um, You know, it's been a positive experience for an overwhelming majority of the people that we surveyed, Um, not just for pet owners, but for pets too. 94% of owners said that they have leaned on their pet for emotional support during this time, and 95% said that they think that their pet has really enjoyed having them home more. So let's talk about having pets at home. What have we learned about having pets at home? Other than those crazy videos when people are working and they're being interrupted, especially if you've seen those TV (laughs) ones where you've got newscasters, (laughs) or I don't know if you saw that Thai one, the cats were fighting in the background. She's conducting a very serious financial interview and her cats start warring. It's it's crazy. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, my dog is locked in the bedroom right now, so I definitely feel that. But uh, we, we've learned that people are really taking advantage of the extra time that they, they, they're they getting with their pets right now. Um, 64% said that they've used the time to bond more with their pets. Um, people are even spending more on their pets than they did prior to COVID-19, um, an average of $82 more, which is definitely no small, no small amount, but that's going things like food, treats, and toys. Um, But like you said, it's definitely not all smooth sailing, especially during work time. Well over half have had their work interrupted by a pet, and close to half have definitely felt that level uh, of annoyance or frustration with a pet during quarantine. You know, it's funny. I'm glad that you mentioned the walks because there's an international news story right now. In Germany, the Minister of Agriculture is trying to mandate getting dog owners to walk their dogs a few times a day for at least an hour each time. That's a little extreme. Yeah. Well, anyway, so what can you tell us about people and pets and their walking habits? That's definitely good for everybody involved. It's certainly an easy way to stay sane um, during these times, and and we're definitely doing more of it. Um, On average, we are up from two walks a day to three. Um, prior to COVID-19. And one of the interesting things that we found was that, you know, despite mask mandates across the country, one in four aren't wearing a mask while walking their pet. Really? Yeah. Okay, Kylie, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for that great information. You know, we love having these studies. Really important information. Yes. Because people want to know what other people are thinking and what other people are doing. Wouldn't you agree, Kylie? Oh, absolutely. I don't think that there's anybody that isn't curious about what, you know, their neighbors are doing. Sure. My neighbors, people I see. Yeah, Charlotte's really worried about her neighbors all the time. Oh, well. Oh, (laughs) enough. Well, interesting information is more people seem concerned about their pet contracting COVID-19. To remind you, that was Kylie Moore, Outreach Manager, Digital Third Coast, on behalf of Lombardo Homes. So to learn more about this in lighting research, visit our social media channels. I'm going to put the link to the survey on our channel so you can check it out yourselves. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. Oh, no, is it that late already? It's time to wrap up the show. Before we go, we want to give you a preview of next week's show. Next week, we're going to talk about KY Derby. And Dr. Fleck, thank our guest. Yes, special thanks, Dr. Lisa Lippman, Kathy Guillermo, and Kylie Moore. And of course, we must always thank our sponsors, the Animal Medical Center of Bradenton and EpiPet, making better skin, coat, and ear care products for healthier pets 
everywhere. If you have a question, write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. We'll cover it on next week's show. And if you've missed any portion of the show, visit our social media channels as well as your favorite streaming channels and listen to the Link podcast on Monday morning. Most importantly, remember, we're here each week to help you take better care of your pets. Peace out, pet love. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Pet Buzz. The Pet Buzz is hosted by the dynamic pet duo, pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. Tune in each week for the latest 411 on everything pet related. Visit our website at www.thepetbuzz.com. Learn more about us, the show, and our guests.